Yo, the show before did not put um, uh, any music, so I'm very sorry to the audience who's been in waiting. Anyway, anyway. Oh, those are loud headphones. Oh, 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 that's loud. Oh, that's loud. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello, hello. The, the, I was going to say dispatch. Callum was going to say dispatch. That's bad of me. Anyway, let me talk is back for 2023. We're back. We're back. We're better. We're hotter. Cam's never changes being hotter, but we've got two absolutely amazing guests today. I'm Tom Wilson. I'm one of the co-hosts of Let Me Talk here on St. Andrew's Radio. And joining me is Callum Mayor, who is currently drawing on the board and making some art for our show. Because if you don't know, in the Star Studio, there's like a big gl- plastic, glass, whatever, window that looks into the tech room. And on it is all different drawings of well, like, like different logos of different shows. And Let Me Talk wasn't on it. So Callum, ever the artist was pissed off and is getting our goddamn logo on, our goddamn frog on. <laughs> anyway, hello boys, how are we? We're doing very well, how are you? Good, good, CD, audio's good as well. The mics are working, Aiden, is your mic working? Please tell me he's working. Hello. Oh no! <laughs> are we going to share a mic? Uh, this is going to get extra romantic. We can share a mic. Dude, it's going to get cute. Yeah, it's oh, annoying. Yeah. Oh, it's not, that's annoying. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, speak, speak, speak. Hello. Nope, never mind, that's broken. Okay, well, uh, that's that's something for tech to figure out. But yeah, anyway, these boys are going to share a mic. It's going to be fine. It sounds good. Is this ha- picking up both of you? It is picking up both of you. It's okay, picking good. up you both great. Anyway, introduce yourselves. Go ahead. Cool. Um, my name's Aiden Monks, and this is... Oh, I'm Adam. <laughs> uh, I'm Adam Malinowski-Lou. Cool, cool. This and is bum. And uh, let's tell us a little bit about yourselves now. Aiden, you've been on Let Me Talk before. You are the first returning guest. Really? Yeah, it's a big honor, oh, honestly, of this. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it um, says a lot about the podcast. Yeah, um, yeah happy to be back. It's a, it's a fun vibe, as always. Um, yeah, no, um, I'm... Well, uh, <laughs> I'm second year. I currently take um, philosophy, English, and film, as I introduced myself last time. Um and yeah, I I am of the the Marxist persuasion. Oh yeah, we've not even mentioned what this show is going to be about. So this week we're going to talk again about Marxism, and uh, this time Callum's here. I don't know if you've not even heard from Callum because Callum is busy drawing. He's got his ass in Adam's face. The worst drawn ever, but <laughs> well, last time, last time, last time it was only me and Aiden because we Callum was doing some secret agent stuff. And it was very intimate. It was very cute. It was literally our first time meeting as well. Yeah. Um, but hard. since then, do you not have a show on Star now? I do. I'm going to advertise it here. I'm do, gonna it, do, do it. Do it. Do it. I'm going to be a sleaze. I um, Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. for an hour, 60 plus minus two pretentious white men talking about the music and movies you missed. First episode was on Daft Punk. We broke down nice. various uh, songs that we didn't just think were great songs that featured on great albums, but were in fact what we consider to be underappreciated album bests. Last episode, which will be on Spotify right now as we speak. Oh, let's go. Let's go. Okay. Wes Anderson, where we talk about Steve Zissou and the French Dispatch and the Dark Great Game movie. Limited. Yep. I've, I've only seen two Wes Anderson movies, which are uh, French Dispatch and... Um, Grand Budapest Hotel, Uh, like both of them. Grand Budapest is, I mean, we didn't talk about it because the whole point of the show is like talking about like things you would like not expect to like be on the sort of best of lists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like spotlighting things that are otherwise not spotlighted enough. And the Grand Budapest, I mean, it's really difficult. But like along with like the Royal Tenenbaums, it's just like a 
Well, my flatmate Lauren, who coincidentally made a let me talk hoodie for me for my birthday, Cute. like hand, 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 handwritten merch. Bleach. Merch. Mer- you yeah, listen, 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 listen. We'll sell merch. Uh, we'll pay Lauren, and then from that, we'll sell for some merch. Uh, Lauren said she'll do it if she gets paid. So why not? Um, Next but- episode, by the way. Wednesday night eight. We're talking about Nirvana. Wednesday at eight is an incredible time. It is a good time. We were very lucky with it. That's no, very good because be, before people go out as well, <laughs> it's a very good. It's very good. I'd say that probably the best time in my eyes would be, you know, Thursday at seven. Mm. Thursday at seven Thursday to me. Seven because no one's doing anything. Exactly. Yeah. No, 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 I'll, I'll be honest. Your mic's broken as well. That's, oh no, it's not. It's not. It's not on. Speak. Hold on. There we go. I, I actually think that Wednesday Wednesday at eight is a fantastic time. We actually had it last year, oh, Wednesday at 8. <laughs> and yes, we did. Yes, we conveniently, did. it's no longer ours anymore. And we are sat here That's Monday, not my fault. That's 11 not my o'clock fault. at the dead of night and talking to Aiden and Adam. It's fantastic. You make it sound like we don't want to talk to Aiden and Adam. <laughs> whoever, whoever, is, whoever is listening. Well, I mean, we've, we've, we've casually got someone that's just stolen our time slot. It's very upsetting. Yeah, we're, we're in a, yeah, yeah. I wonder who that we're is. We're in a period of mourning You're right now. To come on as guests if you want. Wow, <laughs> it's That'd like that. It's straight up. It's like that. Calum, okay. I do want to say that I do like your your illustration. I think it's very good under the circumstances. Oh, yeah, let me see it. Um, oh, it looks very. It's, it's pretty terrible. It looks very good. Oh, anyway, Adam, tell us a bit about student. yourself. Uh, I am a third year history student. Uh, oh yeah, so I'm Adam Malinowski Liu, uh, third year history. I'm from California, um, and I'm also a William and Mary student. So next year I'm going back, um, and yeah, I'm I'm hype as shit to talk with Aiden about some some Marxist things. Cool. So. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, your week just before we get started. Uh, we got a little bit of time. Uh, any positive about you? Yes, one deadline week, so I don't know if there's anything positive. But anything you got one positive from the week you want to talk about? Anything that's been going on for you? May or may not have sold a property for next year. Yo, that's good. That's Ooh. very, very good. Touch wood. Um, good? Yeah, that's pretty good, I would say. That's yeah. about it. Oh, that's awesome. Really, congrats, man, honestly. Adam, anything else? Anything? Uh, I submitted the best essay of my life last week. Um, it was 10% over the word count, which, you know, no marks off for that. But I was so No marks of off? No, no, no. I mean, it's like plus or minus 10%. Oh, okay, so okay, like, okay. You know, it's like just like exactly 10% over. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, word. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I get you. I get you. Uh, that's nice. I usually go five. It's really sad. I mean, usually I do 10% below. But like, I usually, this uh, I usually like, under right. I usually yeah, under, yeah, I'm yeah, terrible exactly, with essays. Yeah. I'm terrible. Yeah. What was the subject on that? Oh, I mean, it's very relevant to the conversation. I don't know if we're going to actually get into it, but I wrote about Lenin. Um, jo- uh, not John Lennon, uh, Vladimir Lennon, uh, and and the Russian Revolution. So a common misconception. Ma- a common, common confusion. Do you, do you know? Do you know the the line in American Pie, the song by Don McLean, when Lenin read a book on Marx? Oh yeah. Everyone writes it as Lenin wrote the book on Marx and Vladimir Lenin. Yeah. It's about John Lennon. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not surprised. Yeah. yeah. And everyone just writes it, and I'm like, when you figure out what it is, it just makes the line ten times better. Because mm. Lenin wrote a book on cool. Like that's like good. Like yeah. Like yeah. that works as well, but. Yeah, Callum, any positive in the week? Any um, big thing going on, Mr. DJ? Oh, I mean, I, I sorted out all my essays. So I'm, That's I'm, good. I'm That's flying good. right now, doing well. That's very good. Yeah. Good. I, I've got an essay due Wednesday, which is about, um, it's, an, <laughs> it's a historiography essay. Which oh, I, yeah, I'm writing one of those two. I'm, I'm not a fan of historiography. I took the whole class in second year. Uh, and that's about the so Iranian Revolution. Uh, in seventy nine. Oh, you're writing on the history. Yeah, so I've got I've got a few I've got a few different like historians. I've got communist historians. I've got I've got religious historians. I've got looking at Khomeini and a few other people. 
but no, it, it's looking not too bad. And I've literally gone too far in. I was finally scrolling into the music section. There we go. We got it. Anyway, uh, let's get started, shall we? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think it'd be kind of decent or kind of interesting to hear like Adam talk more about his essay. I feel like it's kind of an interesting place to start. I feel oh, like. Vladimir Lenin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk, let's talk a little bit. Okay. Yeah? Um, okay, so, uh, like, a big part of, like, the history, uh, the history essay that I wrote is uh, historiography, like, um, what we were just talking about, uh, and kind of, like, what I wrote about the historiography on Lenin, which is kind of true of, like, a lot of sort of historical figures that are, I guess you could say, controversial, is the, I guess like, subjective attitude that people take and kind of, like, how a lot of history is name-calling, I guess, instead of actually, like, you know, reading what they did or uh, reading what they wrote or, I guess, kind of looking at things a little bit more objectively. So, you know, a lot of characterizations of Lenin, I guess a lot of people probably are familiar with already, but uh, I guess uh, the the real meat and bones of the essay is kind of, like, Lenin's political philosophy of uh, how you're going to practically do a revolution and that mostly involves like planning and uh, kind of illegal conspiracy. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. guess I guess that's kind of like the edgy part of Lenin. Um, and uh, and basically like all the strategies that he wrote about like all across all of his works is what he did in practice with the Russian Revolution and I mean, yeah, it's, it's a big part of history, so. Well, I mean, I guess for like people that aren't very like uh, knowledgeable about Lenin, I guess. Maybe you could give us like a little bit of background on like who he, who he is. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, it's like so, a quick Wikipedia. <clears throat> so Vladimir Lenin was uh, that's that's basically the alias that he used across all of his writing. Uh, but he's this Russian guy who was born uh, in um, oh god, I don't remember who he was born. But uh, he was born he was born in the 19th century, and uh, he was kind of like the leader of the Communist Party in Russia. Uh, and uh, basically, after like a series of um, very sort of tumultuous tumultuous events in the late sort of Russian Empire. Um, by 1917, the political conditions are unstable enough where Lenin and his Communist Party uh, usurp uh, control over the government, and they basically established Soviet Russia, which would then eventually become the Soviet Union, um, and that ultimately, you know, basically defines the 20th century. Um, so he's basically the guy who's in charge of most of the events. Um, he, I, you could say that he's responsible for most of the events of the 20th century, just indirectly. So that's really interesting, actually. I mean, I, to be fair, I've been I've been trying to like get more familiar with like a lot of these kind of figures. Like I was looking into a little bit about like Rasputin for some reason, and uh, yeah, Rasputin's great to study. He's hilarious. Yeah, it just it just <laughs> seems so absurd to me. Um, the the way in which he managed to kind of gain a little bit of attention, you know, he just it just seems so random. Rasputin as just like a figure of like propag- of like anti-Tsarist propaganda. I'm gonna like I'm gonna make the stupid claim that I think Rasputin caused the Russian Revolution. I mean, like <laughs> Rasputin's having the literal. I'm gonna hey, we're past that. We don't care. Rasputin shagging the Russian queen is what caused Russian. Yeah, Revolution. yeah, That's literally. Yeah, let's be honest. The man apparently had a hog. I'm gonna be. I've got from what I've heard. This is not from <laughs> history textbook. It's one of the biggest anticlimaxes I reckon in history is that he didn't. That's not what the Russian queen said. He did. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I think there was a lot of climaxes. <laughs> this is great. Uh, 11 I'm p.m. Gonna, slot. No one's listening. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. No, um, Lenin's a, a you speak closer to the mic. Sure, I'll speak closer. Lenin's um, an interesting place to start um, with Marxism actually because um, it's almost he he doesn't really seem like the logical place to start. I mean, there was a lot of um, I mean, since Marx's death and um, his his writings were like subject to a lot of different like translations and transcriptions and different interpretations, and it was like a fairly like profound narrative even before like the actual implementation as as theorized and as practiced came like like into being as you would as you want to say but like um i think that lenin is actually a pretty solid place to start because it's basically the most like concrete uh example of marx's sort of philosophy put into practice because mm -hmm. lenin is the guy who is the first guy to create the first marxist country um so i think and, and as but, yeah. but of course, like at the same time as like Lenin, you yeah, have there's a there's of, a lot, of, a lot of the marginalized Marxists, like, and you know, I'm not just talking about like Rosa Luxemburg and people like that, like, like people who are now very renowned more as like more for like as ideas than for their actual work in the first place, more as like icons of like, I would say like Marxist feminism, for example, purely on the basis that she's she was like a woman and a martyr who was executed by the state, um, you know, all of those different people who are like, I think it, I think definitely at the beginning of the 20th century is a great place to start for like the implementation of marxism and like that's like various places in europe but like, adam's right of course marxism like it's a type of um, anti-idealistic materialism which is n it's against the, the concept of well it's against like the primacy of the idea like in philosophy and more pro um a more pragmatic approach like the um the actual implementation of ideas mm -hmm. if ideas can't be implemented then what are they for really in the first mm -hmm. place like armchair philosophizing sitting around and talking about things is what it is and that's useless in marx's take it's like marx is like a very like specific um break in the tradition of german philosophy between people like kant and hegel and people you've heard of like that who are associated with that particular enlightenment movement and slightly post-enlightenment as well marx is um profound on a sort of implementary and like political level but he's also like a really 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 important turning like curve in like the history of german like theory why well, I, I was gonna say like do you want to say what you were gonna say i was i was thinking that like the one of the things i like about marx especially doing both theory in international relations and in um history modern history which is what i study is the fact that it's so very is not the right term it's so versatile there you go mm. Yeah, the yeah. versatility of Marxist theory, because there's obviously the economic theory, which most people kind of refer to. Yeah, yeah. Okay, for me as a dummy, right? What's what's the difference between like communism and Marxism? Then, <laughs> just, just as as briefly as you can. Well, communism stems essentially from Marxism, like the Communist Manifesto. Um, communism so Marxism, Marxism is basically like an entire uh, method. Uh, like, it's basically uh, a method of analyzing information. And basically, Marxism is the entire way that people do history now. Like, the entire idea of historiography is based off of Marxism. And that's yeah. basically, like, looking at a source, like, looking at a document, and then if it's written by, let's say, like, the government, you analyze the source objectively. You don't just, like, take it at its word. You understand, like, where there might be reasons to write that source in a certain way, that includes certain details or doesn't include certain details. Um, and that's ultimately, like, basically all how of academic history now. Um, mm -hmm. Most of it can be traced to uh, the way that Marx was analyzing um, history himself. 
um, because on, on top of being an economist and a philosopher and you know all these other things, a political activist, uh, he was you know a historian that was super major. Um, um, a lot of his history as well, a lot of his influence over the way we view history can also be like read in his different analyses um, yeah. angles as well. We, sh we should spotlight him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're leaving out. We're leaving out. We're a leaving big out name right a now. big, big name. But like a lot of the ways we perceive different events in history, for example, like um, Lincoln freeing the slaves or the Paris Commune and the French Revolution itself, and of course the English Revolution, which is referring to like the Civil War as well as like the Restoration and the Glorious Revolution in that period in the 17th century in English history. The term English Revolution didn't exist until Marxist historiography existed, mm -hmm. because Marx, it was either Marx or one of the people that followed him directly. Um, Marxist historians, nonetheless, perceived that particular event as like one of the most cataclysmic moments in um in revolutionary history in general, in 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 Marxist con Marx's own conception of history as like as like this like non-organic kind of like narrative of rupture and sort of struggle and things like that, the English Revolution is like almost a perfect example because what we perceive as like what we perceive as like um, um, revolutionary like in the common consciousness is something like violent that you remember and you learn from and are never to do again, you know? And like, but like the English Revolution is something that no one particularly talks about because as a revolution, it was so perfectly done. And like Marxists like Eagleton and stuff that you can read now will make a case that a revolution only really works if 200 years later, no one really talks about it. Mm. But, you know, that's quite a Trotsky IV. But like, okay, so what's communism? <laughs> communism, according to Marx, at least, is... Communism, like, I described it as, like, yeah. his, like, goal. Like, I described it as, like, his idea of uh, what society should be it's working a, towards. It's an economically classless yeah. society. Um, communism is kind of, like, a lot of things. I mean, like, in common speech, it's, like, kind of synonymous with, like, poverty um and like and like a lot of other things Hunger. like you know, okay like, yeah yeah like, like so 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 you said was aiden you said it was synonymous with a like a classless society so i think something maybe interesting to look at is, oh like, sorry oh jesus christ sorry i, was, <laughs> I mean we, no! can, we can go for the music break. <laughs> no that's just oh my god <laughs> sorry I was what's trying communism to... <laughs> musical? i think that's a good answer i think that's a good answer well but, that's the joke we fucked it up i would say like oh, Maybe in the context of even like this town, like St Andrews, why is the idea of class problematic? Uh, which, which linked to that as well. I was going to think the idea of class is problematic, or like just well, like how it functions. The, it's the do you not think? Of class. So the existence of class. class. There you go. That's what I mean. Class or class division. Okay. So the existence of class as a con conceptually and practically, like, like the concept of class cannot exist unless like it carries with itself like this kind of like value judgment, which manifests as a hierarchy. Um, yeah, it's kind yeah. of it's kind of like relegating uh, people to certain values based off of things like money, control. Like, yeah, yeah. It's basically like like class, for instance. You have inherited wealth, which is so you think sorry, this is like an instinct, like created by this, like the society we live in. We start on like a basic. <laughs> when we talk about class, we start. We should obviously like. I think we should start on the most basic level. I was watching this really cracked debate between like this Marxist like philosopher and Charlie Kirk of all people and like he starts by like like basically like, explaining like okay so like the socialist position with like things that like <laughs> people can relate to now and it's like you have to start like simply as like you don't believe you like you cannot morally justify like predicating a belief on this like on the idea that people can like they can come into the world and be divvied out into different, like, very unjust and um, 
um, diverse and situations that they generally like cannot control themselves and that is for the most part the case yeah i mean ultimately you have to like ask yourself like why does wealth inequality exist in our society like is it really like a matter of people being lazy is it a matter of people being you know but do you not think that's at the very least a contributing factor though i mean like when you look at like let's say like the impoverishment of africa like basically this uh entire historical phenomenon of europe uh destroying africa and profiting an insane amount off of African labor um, for hundreds of years. I mean, are you going to then look at uh, poor African people and say, uh, oh, you simply are not working hard enough. You simply need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I mean, no, of course not. Because obviously, like, there's a giant historical phenomenon. There are structural factors that individuals themselves cannot overcome to something like that. Yeah, and even looking at, like, Western examples, like, um, you know, America, for example... Um, where a lot of people, you know, it's the land of the free, it's the land of, like, plenty and shit. But, like, um, you know, a place where, like, Gallup will report that 85% of workers, like, are really unhappy at work in general. Like, and talking about workers, you know, even, like, the striking laborers um, on, like, the rail lines at the moment, like, are lazy. Um, you have to like, consider the fact that, like, when people are working for, one, better conditions, better money, they're working um, for themselves, fundamentally, is another, like real central tenant of any kind of socialist theory is that like you're working for like something which you own yourself you're not alienated from your labor you're not alienated from yourself or your fellow people that are working and are sort of reified into these kind of like you know like capital commodities that are just like made Mm. and like used for generating and extracting like wealth for not you but wouldn't you say like working for yourself or like working towards something that bet like that you benefit from like gives you a sort of incentive like if no no that's the thing that's the thing we are absolutely in favor of hard work we are absolutely in favor of being rewarded for hard work mm-hmm. but what we're saying is that under the current system of the world um is capitalism of course you are not rewarded according to your hard work you are rewarded according to uh your inheritance that's a big one and also uh in the case of certain wealthy yeah. billionaires uh how much you exploit other people um, you I mean, like Marxism at this point is also like it's like tied with like feminism and race theory and gender theory and stuff like that. It's yeah. like we won't get too into like the theory of it because it's really dense. We don't enough time for it. But like, you're rewarded as well to a certain extent. You're rewarded based on not just your inheritance of like material like value things like money. You're also like rewarded on the basis of like. Whatever group uh, you're born into, like you know, or you identify as, or where you live, or you know, a lots of arbitrary like, factors. Yeah, some like impoverished like um, child like in Africa, like it's not being given the same opportunities as like some like Parisian aristocrat. Like it's <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's. It's so, not, so we are we are in favor of like it, being rewarded for hard work. In terms of, uh, I think we're going in the right direction in terms of what I want to talk about uh, in a little bit, especially which is uh, leftism at St Andrews, and obviously you know our how we are known as being a bit of a leftism what like leftism, leftism what leftism <laughs> in St Andrews. Yeah, like like leftist movements in St Andrews. It could be interesting cash. to talk and, and about like, talk like what we're talking right. about in the context yeah, yeah. Of this, this time. But we're going to go on a break. We're going to do a bit of music, and the song we're going to play is "We're All in This Together" by High School Musical. Because, uh, fun fact, Blind Murph, we just had a, a high school musical theme show, <laughs> Blind Murph, every Monday at 8 p.m., uh, which I will not be in Blind Murph the next uh, two shows. So, uh, enjoy. Oh, three shows, actually. No, two shows. Anyway, we're going to play this song, and we'll be right back with Adam and Aiden to talk about more about leftism, Marxism, communism, 
and your mum. So, we'll be right back. See you in a bit. We've got 25 minutes. Let's try and like properly go for it. Right. What were we what were we going to talk about, Tom? I got my brain just working. Uh yeah, I was going to talk about like left leftism in St Andrews uh sort of like leftist leaning movement and especially the fact that every time you tell someone, "Hey, I go to St Andrews." It's uh it's you know, it, it, it's oh, the posh town, which is fair, <laughs> which is incredibly fair. Uh and I think if we kind of like I was going to tell you, so I, got, I know a number of people in cash campaign for affordable student, affordable student housing. People don't know. And I'm thinking, like, putting that movement in place, and we just look at something very simple that affects everyone mm-hmm. that, that is in this town, and that's if we look at the housing prices and the housing crisis and us not being, I mean, we, we just, you know, the, we all cheered because Aiden was able, to hopefully, to secure a flat for next year. Yeah, yeah. When we look at it, and if we expect, I think because we were talking on the break, just we want to talk, you know, get it more simple, helping like kind of like the person who, if you want to explain it to like someone who doesn't really understand lefting causes or maybe not really heard about them, if we kind of like look at how a leftist would look at the current housing crisis and how, no, not sure how they'd fix it in general, but how they look at it and the critiques of like, you know, how they'd see it. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm familiar with cash as well, and I'm in Labour Sock and, um, and I, um, I participate in a lot of like different like events and uh, things and organized in reading groups and stuff we do for like the socialist society. Um, I, I mean, obviously it's like absolutely atrocious. Like, I mean, I mean, like a lot of the students. It's not just atrocious for the students in St Andrews who are coming to St Andrews to study in um, in what's like advertised as this kind of like you know cute little coastal town. They're coming from around the world to study here, and then suddenly they can't live here, and they go to live in. Dundee, which since 2018, to be fair, has been receiving a lot of pretty good funding from the local city council. And, like, you can tell in the centre where it's, like, you know, it's got, like, a lot better than it was, and it's not, like, the heroin overdose capital of Europe anymore, as it was, like, reputed to be a while ago. Um, Margaret Thatcher. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, even then, like, not only are students from St Andrews having to live in Dundee or, like, places nearby, like, Cooper and Strathkinnis, but they're also... The students in Dundee are also being really affected by this as well, and they're not being able to like get as easily accessible accommodation, whether that's halls or private or whatever. Um, I I think there's also like I mean along with cash, there's the, which is the campaign for affordable student housing. Like there's there's also like um, various organisations I think that are like um, giving um, uh, basically our food banks for students who can't afford to eat, um, which is. An absolute fucking, it's an absolute abomination, and I don't think that like you need to be like a leftist moralist to like really see that. I mean, this is like, this is not okay. Like, yeah, it's, like it's, oh, it's definitely, objectively yeah. not. Like, what you do about it once you figure it out, not sure that it should take very long. That it's like a bad thing, like is a different question. And I think that like the fact that like there has to be in the first place these privately run, student run as well organizations to help students where like the university itself as an institution is not doing so is really odd to me. Like, it's not just bad, it's also very odd that people aren't stepping up in the same, like, institutionally and structurally to fix this. Mm. I mean, when you look at, like, homelessness or, um, you know, uh, food insecurity and all these other problems, uh, and you kind of realize as well that we are in one of the wealthiest societies in the world, it kind of becomes evident that the current system that we exist under is not the most rational or even the most efficient by its own standards. Uh, and, I mean, ultimately, like, we have more than enough resources to provide food and housing and water and uh, electricity and Internet access to everyone mm-hmm. for 
for nothing, basically. We, we could all just be paying nothing for all these things, and ultimately, though, these aren't guarantees to us because there is enormous profits to be made from these things. Uh, there are giant industries behind these things, and there are, of course, uh, lots of very powerful people because they have lots of money that are preventing these things from becoming accessible to everyone. Yeah, not only could we like fix the homelessness crisis in this country and in the majority of European countries and America itself, like not only could we fix it, but like the panic that you hear some conservatives having about like giving free housing essentially to homeless people to get them off the street is going to like basically take up like room where like you know these private like like um, landowners and landlords could lose money and things like that. Like, there was there would be so many houses left over after that. <laughs> like the idea that like the homeless community would eat the fucking housing market is yep. ridiculous. And then at the same time. Um, at the same time, though, why does there have to be a market for this? Why is it that we can't just, you know, uh, say, okay, you're a human being, so you deserve shelter as a privilege of being a human being because we can treat all of each other with uh, a common decency? How would you look at... How would you two, and you'd say, uh, as, as leftists, and you look at it as, like, through Marxist, not just theory, but thinking, would react to someone... So I'll give you an example of, um, like... I guess a, a not really a rebuttal is not the right term, but just a, 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 a if you will, a counter argument, which just I'll give you my dad, who <laughs> is the most centrist man you will ever meet. The man, when I say center, he has supported Margaret Thatcher mm. and Jeremy Corbyn. Wow. There is no more. What cent- a character. So my dad was, expe- was, was, we were talking about the housing crisis. Andrews, and obviously he thinks it's a mess. Mm. Then he goes, well, you know, when you were a kid, uh, so we had this, we, I was born in France, and then we were meant to live there for a long time. We're not French, but just mm. my parents had settled there. Not as like expats, like they just settled there. They He left his life in England. My mum left her life in, in France, uh, sorry, in, in Belgium. And they kind of like left their countries and they settled in, in, in France in a very small apartment that I grew up in. And so they bought that. I won't, when I was one, they bought they bought that, uh, that apartment and we were going to live there. Things changed drastically. We ended up being expats to Tokyo. Huge change in life. So that apartment, my parents didn't sell it. They, because we weren't living there, they were like, that was the only property they owned and they had people come in and they would essentially rent it out. And that's what's funded part of my uni experience, you know. Mm-hmm. How, and he might, my dad was saying, but what do you, th- you know, not everyone is just a massive, you know, like, like disgusting, if you were like big landlord that owns a bunch of, 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 of houses, you know, and that's the whole, that's the whole gig. How would you as leftists, React people, you know, especially in this town, because we do have a lot of wealthy students, and I'm not going to deny that. You know, I'm literally wearing the hoodie from my school because of the show today in Lymouth. This is the American International School of Muscat. It's a private school. I'm not denying my background at all. But how would you react to people saying like, oh, you know, like some people was just as, they have they have one they have one home, you know, and they rent it out and then they live somewhere else. How would you react to like those people who are saying like, you know, we're not big landlords, you know, this is just this is just helping our family. Well, I think we all have a bit of uh, affluence in our backgrounds. <laughs> of course. But, uh, I mean, my, my parents have also been renters for a little part of their life. Um, do you mean renters? Do you mean, like, they've rented or they... They've, they've been, like, owning properties that then they rent. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, people, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, in terms of... Uh, Would you not say there's a slight bit of hypocrisy there? Like there, that's well that that, that we that we push for that that that's that a, push for a, a, that, that a Marxist. Well, I guess you, I guess you can't really do anything about your situation. I say we. Your fault. Tom Wilson, like it's not on their opinions like, don't count. I'm just a co-host. <laughs> um, but in terms of Aiden and Adam, but yeah, like, like do you not think that's like a very interesting situation to be in? 
I mean, even though we've, like, enjoyed affluence in our lifetimes, like, I mean, Marx himself was, like, the product of a relatively affluent background. I mean, like... It's one of the common criticisms. Of, like, I mean, the thing is, Marxist. though, is that you, you don't have to... Be, but you think it's relevant? You don't have to be the most oppressed person in society to advocate for the oppressed people of society. Um, I mean, ultimately, like, the fact that we go to St. Andrews at all, like, signals exactly. that we have a certain level of privilege. I remember um, we talked, actually, last time about Hassan Piker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, Hassan Piker, like, was recently got a lot of shit for... Um, if no, if, if just very quick recap on Hassan Piker because you don't know who that is. Uh, no, so uh, it, uh, Twitch streamer uh, used to be Tux, part of the Young Turks. Yeah, yeah um, uh, very much. He, he is one of the biggest leftist content yeah. creators. Bye, Cal. Where have you gone to? Oh, uh, one of the biggest leftist content creators um, in the world, uh, and comes from a pretty affluent background. Now you were saying with the house. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was saying I mean, he he recently purchased uh, a. Um, Big old house. Big old LA house. Big old crib. For about Two million dollars yeah. or something. Yeah. And he got a little, he got a little, he got a little smack for it. Um, and I mean, and he justified it um, fairly succinctly, more succinctly than I think I can, is that he says, essentially, that like when you live in under the capitalist mode, you can only like function under the capitalist mode, and like to tr- attempt to do otherwise, like outside of like revolutionary means, like. It's essentially what he said is that like it's essentially impossible. Plus, he's made two million Twitch streaming, yeah, which about and and advertising and building a very large audience. Of- he is owning his. It's, I think his argument is as well that I've owned my, my own means of production in a way. So yeah. it's. Uh, I mean, I would say like a parallel to this sort of situation is like you don't have to be you know necessarily a woman to advocate for feminism. I mean, you can still be from like a group that even, like, benefits from patriarchy and still be an advocate against patriarchy. Yeah, I, I think... And in the same way, like, we are beneficiaries of capitalism, mm-hmm. but we Ad- ultimately yeah. are anti-capitalist. Yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I was mentioning that mostly because I think if you're talking to, to people in town, especially people, like, I guess, from a similar background than us, and we, you know, obviously, again, we're not denying our background, I'm denying my background, <laughs> it's one of those things where people will say, well, hey, my parents own a home, my parents have just we don't have that place in France anymore and we didn't have for a while and then now they've settled in Le Mans where I grew up and they've bought the house essentially this is the house that they live in they've been renting for years um, you know they'll be like well my parents rent one house out you know my parents all went or we have like a summer home you know but my parents are good people they're not you know like you know like landlord pigs if you if if if, <laughs> if, if, if you will so I think that that's that's kind of like I, I brought that up as like if you will a quote counter argument mm-hmm. mostly because I think that's one of the like the 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 barriers I think people will have if they're looking at if they're look, wanting to look into in terms of leftist leftist thinking or Marxist thinking is that they'll they, they they they'll look at their own situation and then think well my dad's a good guy you know my mom's a good guy. my mom's a good one a good lady so yeah, yeah I mean like my I consider my parents to be pretty good people mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean they they used to you know rent out to people as well uh, I mean we're not we're not blaming people for responding to incentives within society we just believe that these incentives shouldn't exist uh, and really like you know if you're going to compare like you know like one person who owns like one house and is renting to you know mm-hmm. like a family I mean that, that doesn't compare to the uh, the sort of companies that own uh, you know hundreds of thousands of acres of property and they are uh, inflating their prices because they have monopoly holds over you know entire regions and also uh you know rent hikes was one of the biggest problems of the pandemic i mean like when there were you know millions of people around the world losing their jobs uh you still had landlords uh refusing to lower their rents to compensate for these changing situations and i mean there's nothing that you can say about that besides just it being a, a facet of greed i mean i mean like um 
maybe not even like that these incentives like shouldn't exist is that they like is that they they have to exist in order for like you to see that they like are bad and that you have to stop having them for the t- for you to like deconstruct your own internalization of values which you know I mean, anyone who, like, actually, like, actually engages with, like, a, a kind of, like, who has the time, I guess, to engage with, like, a, th- like, a theoretical text, like, capital, like, a massive, dense, like, like, economic study, like, will ultimately be faced with having to deconstruct. Um, I mean, in terms of, like, St. Andrews as well, I mean, the housing crisis here, like, it's not, it's nothing new. We're calling it, like, a crisis and it's getting, it's taking a forefront now. But, like, it's been around since, like, at least the 1930s. Like, mm. I recently walked in, for some reason, to the um, to the St. Andrew's, like, museum on North Street. And they do, like, a whole background, like, thing on, like, um, essentially, like, there was a kind of, like, a poverty clearance in, like, the 1930s in order to make the, in order to make the town more expensive and more attractive to sort of more affluent um, either homeowners or, um, or holiday makers to see the open. Mm. Um... Essentially, I did not know that. It's, it's, it's essentially like molding the town in light and in, in sort of in line with the um, with, with the reputation of goal of golf as as it has always been as a very as a very bourgeois and privileged and privileged sport. Um, yeah. No, it's very fair. And I, I, I'm seeing I'm seeing this this question that Cam's written down. I'll, I'll lead into it, and then you ask the actual question. We talk a lot, uh, you know, about like. What essentially what a Marxist or, or any different leftist sees as like the ideal society. We look at, you know, we were just talking about, you know, a, we, like you were saying, Hassan, the benefits from a capitalist system, but looks at, you know, like wants another system in place, which then leads to your question that you just wrote. Oh, this one. This one, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't talked for a while, I'm going to be honest. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just listening. Like, I'm, this is, this is really a hey, this 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 we'll kind of conversation talk. is like honestly really above me. I'll be very honest. No, it's like, not. Uh, well, then in, in terms of like I I don't have much to contribute because essentially like I I I'm not educated on this, so it's very interesting to to hear what you two have to say. Because obviously you know abundance more than me. Um, okay, so this is my kind of question. Obviously, like I have no idea. Like I'm I'm just asking these questions out of curiosity, yeah, okay. trying to understand. Okay. Could this ever be a kind of society in the UK? Could we ever have a sort of capitalist or Marxist society in the UK? Would it? I mean, not not would it ever happen? Because do you mean a communist society? Because you said capitalist. We have a capitalist. Yeah, communist. Sorry, yeah. you know what I mean. Um, yeah. What do you guys think? And what would it take to to put that in place? The UK, as opposed to like everywhere else, or like. I think he's pointing uh, out the UK as a thing. We're just pointing it. I was like, you could even say America because you could. I think we're just kind of making it more like relevant to like the audience we that kind of lives in here. If you know what I mean, like I think we're using like what, the, what doesn't what have to be, but I think institutions and what things would have to be changed in order to. Oh, well, that's well, that's a big subject. Okay, so I think like okay, um, <laughs> well you know, um, slow and steady wins the race. I guess. I mean, you have to start somewhere. Um, I would say, like, one of, like, the, the, the primary tenets of, like, any kind of orthodoxical Marxism is that the idea that these things, like, divisions based on, like, class, race, sex, gender, um, ethnicity, even, even religion to an extent, like, all of these different things are human-made and can be ultimately human-unmade. And at the end of the day, these aren't predicated on any kind of divine, natural, 
or even mythological mm. ordinance in the slightest. So First, would you would you say that you, we shouldn't have terms to divide these categories? Like we should just like not have no, I'm not. No, saying, no, no. Not, I mean, this isn't like a like a semantic game that I'm talking about right now. It's not. We're not talking about like whether like we the, should talk about race like as a concept. The, the, no. We should talk about this as a concept, or that we should like be able to like discern between different between differences that we can empirically observe. I'm saying that these things shouldn't carry with them a kind of um, kind of social and structural and ideological um, value, which um, which is ultimately. Um, I mean, it's ultimately divvied into a hierarchy which is inherited over a very long historical period, not least in this country, but if we're talking about Britain specifically, of course, um, since not, not, not just since capitalism, but since feudalism as well. And I'll let Adam talk, to be honest. He's gotcha. desperate for it. Okay, so I'll put, this, I'll put this in real pragmatic terms, like really you know, easy to understand terms in terms of like, can we have a communist society? Is this like a real thing? Okay, so... Over the last few weeks, right, we've had these basically catastrophic fucking disasters in America with these trains derailing and, you know, this entire disaster with chemicals spilling into water sources and into the air and it's exploding and people are, you know, becoming ill and whatnot. So the reason why this has happened is because the people who own the rail company and the people who basically own these chemicals do not care about the consequences of uh, having for-profit, you know, uh, structuring of their companies. So for the last several years, the union workers uh, in, uh, you know, America, around these parts of America, um, they've been organizing and they've been striking in order to improve their working conditions. And among those conditions are more safe working conditions that are more regulated, that, you know, in which the, the train tracks are more, you know, kept up to date and, the staffing is more extensive. But ultimately, the people who own these companies are not interested in doing those things because that cuts into their profits, which is ultimately the entire structure of the society that we live in. So if we just had the workers in control of the company in which they would be able to allocate the resources themselves intelligently because they are the people who work in these uh, environments every single day, uh, we wouldn't have this sort of disaster happening. We wouldn't have these disasters happening all over the place all the time. Uh, and instead, we would be able to create a society that is governed by experts that do these things as their lives instead of people who have ulterior motives. And those motives do not have any sort of consideration for the impact on regular people's lives. Mm-hmm. So that's really like, you know, to answer your question, is communism realistic? Honestly, I think it's more outlandish to say that capitalism is realistic because we have constant catastrophe, like you know, every single month it's something new and for, it gets for, worse every, and worse. Every four to seven years the economy literally tanks and then you have to like, all the people that like do t- event, like inevitably tank the economy are like tasked with this, tasked with literally like rebuilding it and then like we're back to basics, mm-hmm. we're back to scratch. It's like, it's like nothing happened. So, Britain specific as well, there's other specific points like we have a constitutional monarchy and stuff and then the constitutional monarchy is tied to like, you know, the in, like the superstructure of like, you know, the, the um, Church of England and like, and like you know, all of that like people say that like it's you know it brings in loads of money and like you know that justifies it. It doesn't. It doesn't justify its existence. Like the way that it like communicates like the histories of like the atrocities of our country and our like, um, you know, it, it it's it the constitutional monarchy like as itself is probably worth like an entire episode. <laughs> I mean, I mean you've done like the we can have an entire episode yeah. of literally everything that we're talking. Okay, about. Yeah. yeah, we've 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 kind of gone over in depth like <laughs> why we think that there is problems riddled in, like, a a capitalist society, right? 
let's be honest, guys, right? Do you think there would be any hiccups or problems with a communist society? Absolutely. Or is there anything like... Yeah, of course. Yeah, what, what, um, what do you think doesn't work as well? Or wouldn't like... Uh, work as well as in capitalism? Yeah. Is there any, do, you just, do you just think that communism would... Like communism is like perfect? I or is Marx, there things... Basically, so Marx, Marxism is like... Okay, it's, it's like... So because a, surely like you agree with the idea that like no political system is perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, we, we acknowledge no, of that. Of course. Mar- I mean, okay, so like the, the only utopian thing is that ever thought that like their, their version of utopia would be this kind of perfect paradisal kind of existence where like these kind of French guys like Fourier who basically thought like literally... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not fucking around. Literally thought that when you, like the utopia came about, the sea would turn to lemonade. Okay, <laughs> and like Marx uh, basically threw away with all that shit. Marx is a materialist; he's not a utopian. He, like the the term utopian, even in Marx's time in the nineteenth century in Germany, was literally thrown around in a mocking kind of way. Like they made fun of all of these people because they knew, like, for a fact, they knew for a fact that like the end point of like the Marxist um, revolution, the communism, like which he notoriously is like pretty vague about like describing, but like ultimately like describing like the communist like end point, the final like kind of cause, I guess wasn't his project. His project was about describing the present. There's an amazing Terry Eagleton quote, which I've written down here, which I want to say is like, the true image of the future is the failure of the present, which I think just about summarizes Marx's theory of history. To the, and the That's a good quote, yeah. I see mm-hmm. that, yeah. I like that. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, of course there'd be hiccups if we're being realistic. I mean, it's a long process and, and Marx himself, like, ne- Marx himself, like, like, wrote, like, very extensively on the ne- on the necess- on the necessity of capitalism running its course in order to like achieve that end, mm-hmm. um, of course there's going to be hiccups along the way. Like, do you think this kind of like idea, like this capitalist idea, is just so ingrained into people it would be impossible to restructure? And and simply because we are completely running out of time, just just we, yeah, we have we have three minutes. That. that that is that is like worth a hundred. I know. Worth of yeah, time. because yeah. I, I mean, feel like every like, time I argue at back against against something that Adam says. His kind of ideas that like these are ideas coming from the society that we're in, and like I'm only thinking with like. I just want to say, Calum, of... I always love talking to you about literally <laughs> anything. Um, I mean, I try my best. I try my best. One of them's getting punched post show, by the way. Oh, okay. I mean, I hope so. I hope so. Maybe each other. Maybe each other. We'll see. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, I mean, like, yeah, it, it makes sense because like the society that we live in obviously would advocate for itself uh, and is going to make all alternatives look like shit. Uh, and make like any alternative to what we currently exist in seem impossible. But I mean, you know, once upon a time, it seemed as though slavery was going to be this eternal part of human civilization. And what do you know? We look back on it and we think it's crazy. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, in a few hundred years, we're going to look back on capitalism and that's going to be the exact same way we look at it. I mean, the transition um, from feudalism to capitalism was a really long and really brutal process that took a lot of time. And like, um, there's a. I mean, you can read anything on it, but like, you know, the concept of like, um, the serfs essentially moving like trade guilds into the city, and then all the peasants having to basically be like the like the really like brutal urbanization and like uprooting program which occurred, which basically caused the birth of the capitalist city. Like Marx is really detailed about it, and Engels is as well in his amazing book, like the conditions of the working class in England. Um, there are lots of books to read. There are lots of books. Don't read the Communist Manifesto. <laughs> I, need to read okay. more. I need to read more, to be honest. Don't yeah, read I really Communist do. Communist Manifesto. Read the German ideology. Right. Quality book recommendations. Yeah. Well, remember. thank you very much for coming. Yeah, that's on actually it, been really we fun. We really wish, really, honestly, if, really we, if we had. You know what, Cam? We need to start an independent podcast. We certainly do. Um, <laughs> if we had more time, we absolutely would listen to you boys to two hours. Well, I mean, straight. listen, we, we, can talk, we can talk a lot more about this on Thursday. 
Thursday night if everyone Oh yo yeah yeah I mean yeah. I've invited house, all house, three house, of you guys house, house. so I'm I'm expecting You're all making three me miss the either. second leg of the Man United game we have, what are we saying? Hey, we'll now. be we'll be in the Vic talking about communists. In the Vic, we talking about you're at mine. And then in the Vic, and then in the Vic, yeah. yeah. Oh. We're just like a pounding music, just yeah, talking yeah, exactly. communist yeah. theory. Wait, Callum, yeah. are you advertising your praise? I'm advertising. <laughs> everyone come to Callum's house. The address is. <laughs> listen, I thought it was relevant because everyone here's coming. But yes, everyone, listen to the show. You, get, you can come in. You can come. All right. Well, thank you very much everyone for drink. listening. Um, uh, yeah, everyone come to Callum's house. Everyone, the address everyone come is ninety five South Street. Um, yeah. <laughs> someone's gonna have to up on him I live on South Street <laughs> anyway uh, we're ending the show uh, with uh, Sicko Mode and uh, what is it? it's a uh, Sicko Mode Inc it's Feel Good Inc and Sicko Mode Combined it's pretty it cool. sounds so sick anyway thank you for coming boys thank you big for love. having us on big thank love you. great show back anyway Callum this has been Let Me Talk uh, good night see you next week goodbye